welcome back to the one-to-one podcast with our priest on a mission father dan leary i'm your co-host kevin wells so the name of the one-to-one podcast comes from the words of father al schwartz who said when you're confronted with a child who is sick you cannot be indifferent you have to help an individual on a one-to-one person-to-person basis father dan welcome back thanks kevin great to be with you and and all the folks that are listening Good. You got a lot of fans over here on this side of the pond. I guess it's not a pond. Mexico is connected to America, right? There's no pond or anything. Way to to make that geographic connection, Kevin. There's there's probably a river down there or something. So, 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 uh, Father, it is great to have you back. I uh, got a lot of comments about uh, what we talked about last week, about the poor little girl that you're uh, helping to tend to, the burn victim, and I just want to let you know, that um, it was really encouraging to people the way you're you're trying to break in um, and sort of say, honey, that's that's not your name. Uh, you have a new name, and let's let's heal now. And I just want to pass that on. So, thanks, man. Thanks. Sure. Yeah, she's going to talk to the sisters. She's going to share her story eventually. Oh man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, it touched it touched people over here all over. I, I want to uh, where where I want to take it today is just a few days ago was the feast day of the rosary. Uh, I grew up in a family that prayed the rosary and, uh, and, and, uh, you know, just the other night I got together with about 15, 20 guys. It's, it's, you know, it's pretty, it's autumn up here. It's pretty cold. It's maybe 50 degrees and we're sitting around a fire pit and this German guy, a really nice guy, Bill Fisher had us out to his house. He had a bunch of German beers and, and bratwurst and sauerkraut and, and, uh, and, and we talked about the battle of Panto and then we prayed the rosary. And uh, we talked a little about the rosary, and then we got around, drank, drank a few beers and stuff. And it, it really was, it really was um, touching to me as, um, you know, it was a fun night. It was hanging out with good guys. Um, and just talking about our experiences with the recitation of the rosary and, and sort of what it meant to us to grow up in, in, in houses where a lot of us prayed. And I'm wondering, in the Leary household back in the day, did, did you guys pray the rosary? Well— It's interesting, Kevin, because there's two answers to that. First, you know, when my mother was pregnant with me, she was in pretty rotten shape. She had had six miscarriages and five live births. And, you know, thank God it was 68 because mom, you know, the concept of abortion was not on the table. But mom was, her health was not great. And the doctors said, maybe it's either you or the baby. So the family subsequently prayed the rosary. My, my brother's and sisters so lovingly always tell me that they prayed for two things, you know, that mom would be okay in the delivery and I would turn out normal. And uh, they always say, well, at least one of the prayers was answered. But <laughs> <laughs> um, they prayed the rosary all during the pregnancy. And really one of the changing, the converting moments in my life when I was away from the church was my dad gave me my great, great grandmother's rosary from Ireland. It was a big, heavy wooden rosary and she had had a, a form of um, great suffering, tuberculosis, I believe, on the on the boat ride over to the United States. And so the beads actually have nail marks of her fingernails going into the wood uh, from the pain. So the rosary was the influential moment really in my life when I started praying it by my bedside. So um, I tried to, that was one of my promises to pray it every day, that and the divine mercy. Um, so yeah, the rosary was a grace um, in the family. Wow, wow on both stories. 
your mother's birth, your family praying the rosary, and and your grandma sticking her fingernails into the rosary. I'm I, I that rings as an old Irish wives' tale, but I'm gonna buy it. I'm, I'm you you sunk me into that one. I'm gonna come. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm not gonna call you out, but man, that's an incredible story, brother. I couldn't make that thing up, dude. I got the rosary. <laughs> no, I wanted. So where is it now? Uh, it, my brother Tim has it, but um, I'm gonna bring it down here to to Mexico. All right, I gotta check that out. So yeah, I grew up in a. I grew up in the family. We, you know, we'd be on car rides. We'd be on mountainsides. We'd be watching TV, and all of a sudden it gets flicked off. I remember I'd be in the car, and like a good song would come on the radio. It'd be like. Uh, you know, don't stop believing. And just when you're jamming, all of a sudden Judy cranks off the radio, and there's nine and nine rosaries are ha- are come out of the glove compartment, and they're going into the back of the station wagon. We start praying the rosary on the way to Grandma's house in Devon, Pennsylvania. It was just it was just part of our of our growing up years. And and you know I, I I've said this a million times only because I believe it. Not like that rosary fingernail story, but I actually believe this. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I think that my eight siblings um, are all Catholic today. You know, I like to think that they're faithful Catholics today, and, and they're raising their, you know, 27, 28 nieces and nephews, my 27, 28 nieces and nephews, as to be Catholic because we were a family who prayed the rosary. We just, we just rallied around it. We got it, and we're praying it today. So I, I'm wondering, Father, what do you think? It, it, how influential is the rosary for the family? Well, I think it's now more than ever because there's just the difficulty, I think, back in the in the church and the stage, you know, not just getting together, the lack of community ac- activities in churches. I'm sure it's it's wear- wearing on people. It's wearing on the priests, I'm sure. even. And so I think gathering together and pray the rosary as a family would be hugely significant just to keep inviting Our Lady into their home, keeping us to keep asking Our Lady to keep them safe. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I was reading um, uh, Pope John Paul II. He loved the rosary, as you know, and he said something back in the 80s. I think he said it in 1980, actually. He said it from Germany. He said, um, he said we and this is this is a remarkable quote, and it, and it speaks to, you know, October 9th, 2020. He said, we must be prepared to undergo great trials in the not too distant future. He said, trials that will, will, will require us to be ready to give up even our lives and a total gift of ourselves to Christ and, and for Christ. Through your prayers in mind, it is possible to alleviate this tribulation, but it is no longer possible to avert it. He said, because it is only in this way that the church can be effectively renewed. He said, how many times indeed has the renewal of the church been affected by blood and in blood? This time, again, it will not be otherwise. We must be strong now. We must prepare ourselves. We must entrust ourselves to Christ and to his mother. And we must be attentive, very attentive to the prayer of the rosary. I, I, uh, I can't help but think 30 years later when he talks about these troubles that cannot be averted with really what is going on worldwide today um, and, and just here in America with you know, we got a vice president, vice presidential debate the other night. We got we got Amy Coney Barrett going to get attacked next week uh, by by the Senate committee. We got BLM. We got riots. We got so much out there. What What's going on? What's going on? You think a, a broader spectrum and how 
Mary leads us back to this rosary to sort of assuage and comfort us? Well, with all the troubles that are going on, you know, one of the different aspects, if I can tell you from a from the perspective of the children, is this is what they've grown up with, right? They they've grown up in just violence in the streets. They've grown up with um, brokenness in governmental systems. Um, and so what I think a lot of the children have learned in their homes, but also here especially, is staying close to Our Lady because um, the sisters are forming them with education, but also virtues so that they can go back and catechize their families. Many children are trying to tell their mothers and fathers to get married in the church. I mean, it's quite beautiful. Um, so I think the rosary connects us all together, regardless of the language. So does the mass, of course. But you can pray the rosary with a person of any language and eventually figure out where they are in the Hail Mary of the Our Father or the beads. Um, so I think Our Lady's presence in like even with the aspect of the churches not being so accessible, like more than ever, I think that priests should be emphasizing, pray the rosary, pray the rosary as families, individuals, um, <clears throat> to strengthen people in their, their spiritual walk. I, I could not agree more with you in that. And what is the way, we were kind of getting into this the other night, what is a good way, uh, I'll just speak for men, actually I'll speak for anybody, uh, our mind tends to often wander during the recitation of the rosary. What's a good way to really sink in and, and, and give that 12 to 15 to 20 minutes completely to Mary in the rosary? Well, a couple of things. First, I don't. I think that, yeah, there is a distraction. There's also a spiritual element to it that I think many of us have these intense attacks or struggles during that time. And I think that's also a, com a spiritual confirmation that the evil one does not want you to pray the rosary. You know, I don't, I don't, my mind doesn't wander when I watch Gilligan's Island, but when I pray the rosary, my mind is everywhere. So I think once again, it's a spiritual confirmation that the mental thoughts that just come out of nowhere in my mind are confirmations that the evil one does not like the rosary. I think there's a couple of things, you know, it's not just kneeling or sitting. I found a lot of joy in praying the rosary, walking back and forth here on campus, even just praying a deck of the rosary. Um, you know, I, I can focus in that. I, I can do two things at once, I, I, I realized. So, you know, there's a grace in that. I think it's just also calling on the Holy Spirit um, to do that. And about a week ago, we celebrated the guardian angels, and I told the girls to call on the Holy call on their guardian angel to pray the rosary with them. And they found uh, that very understandable. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's beautiful. You know, you talk about Gilligan's Island. My mind did used to wander when I watched that. Whenever Ginger appeared on the screen, but that's <laughs> so. So I'm gonna. So listen, I, if Father Al. What was Father Al's thoughts on the rosary? Do you know anything about that? Yeah. Well, first of all, he really emphasized the role of the rosary. You know, whenever he would talk to the children, he tried to use very simple language. Right. Um, he, he said one time, he said, Jesus saw something was missing and he saw that we needed a mother. And so he said, children, pray the rosary like you're speaking to your mother. Oh, man, that's great. He, he just, you know, he was working that dynamic where 
He was trying to make Our Lady come alive in their hearts, right? And then he would just say, you know, Mary's love is gentle or sweet. And maybe a lot of the children knew this, but many of them had had been orphaned when Father Al was speaking these words. So his role of Our Lady, the role of Our Lady in his own life, but then Father Al's also recognizing the natural reality of single mothers or mothers who had died due to sickness or even orphan children. Um, he wanted them to approach Mary as a mother who lives. You know, I was telling the girls yesterday in the mass, I said, or the other day on the Feast of the Rosary, it's like, look, Mary's alive. She's not a statue, right? Yeah. And she has a heartbeat and she has hands and she has eyes and maybe she even cries when we cry. So it was helpful for the girls. Yeah, it, that that's a beautiful way to put it, Father. It's like you you and Father Father Al, you, you, you it's sort of mystical, but it's also very practical. Something tells me that Father Al was very practical in his in his priesthood. Oh yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, he was building he was building hospitals and building schools and recruiting kids and uh, raising money. I mean, you know, this guy had his feet on the ground and he talks about that a lot. That real faith is Martha and Mary, it's serving, it's praying, it's the Good Samaritan, where, you know, you're walking along and you see somebody and you got to help them. That was Father Al's spirituality. Actually, those are the two gospel passages that inspired him, I, I believe, the most. Yeah, 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 I, I actually, I agree. I agree. I, I had heard, speaking about Father Al on the rosary, had you heard down there that oftentimes he would pray the entire rosary with his arms extended like Christ on the cross, just as a mortification? Uh, yeah, there's there. The older sisters know those stories. Yeah, he was he was also constantly trying to mortify his body in some way, right? Yeah. Um, which uh, was an example, but it was also um, a repar an act of reparation and healing for the children and the sisters. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I think he took the the messages from Mary and Fatima personally seriously you know pray the rosary every day and, and make penances you know yeah. for, for poor sinners so so we'll switch gears to to um to what you're doing down there i know you're leading these kids in the rosaries and and um masses and and retreats why don't you just kind of give us a blow by blow of of what's been going on just this past week with um with retreats talks masses etc yeah so I think the best way to think about it is I have religious professed sisters and I have novices and postulants. And so what I'm doing is I'm giving the discernment of spirits using the book by Father Tim Gallagher. There's a Spanish, it's translated. And I'm walking the sisters through the rules, which is fantastic. They're really coming alive and understanding. And then I'm also using a couple of documents, uh, Mission of the Redeemer for the professed sisters, and also a, a, a document on Mary, uh, Mother of the Redeemer, for the postulants and novices and explaining teachings to them. You know, um, it's quite powerful. You know, I'm still doing the healing masses or the masses with healing prayers at night. And also, you know, the other night I had an inspiration to really pre prepare a retreat for the older girls who will graduate in August. And so I brought the idea to Sister on the Feast of the Rosary and uh, she loved it. She loved it. It's kind of a weekend retreat, abbreviated, because they also have class on Saturday morning. And uh, looks like we're going to crank it up, something like women in the in the Bible or women in the life of Christ. And it's it's awesome. It's awesome. It, 
the girls have not had one like this. So it's going to be a new venture and we're going to start in October. That that's incredible. Kids, kids love to get away and do something off the beat track and a retreat always leads them deeper and it's fun. And, uh, you know, I, I think what you just mentioned, how you're going to lead the retreat, the kids are going to fall into that. And I, I wonder, you're, you're, you're busting it down there. You're, you're doing so much. Do you, do you ever get a chance to just kind of kick back and, and uh, just enjoy yourself with the kids? Yeah, well, <laughs> so the children have three meals a day, of course. And so they're starting to invite me to a meal. So the way the building is set up, it's, there's, there's uh, five buildings here, and each building has about 800, 900 kids in it, or more or less. There's 3,400 kids on campus. And what I do is every family has 40 girls in it. So I try to go, I'm starting to do a meal or two a day with different families. And uh, this was great. So I went the other night to a family and uh, they had like a, it was dinner. So their big meal was lunch. So there was, a, they had a piece of corn on the cob, a big roll and a glass of milk, right? So I sit down, we say grace and I just take a piece of the bread and I dip it in. They have this chili powder. The way they do it is, Corn on the cob, they put lime on it, and then this hot chili powder. Anyway, oh, no. I put the little piece of bread in the chili powder, and I ate it. Went down the wrong throat. <laughs> I mean, I'm, so I'm coughing, right? So all the kids, like, they think I'm a goner on the spot. Like, <laughs> like father, father. Like, I see one little girl folding her hands. She starts praying. You know? <laughs> it was really hilarious. Like, one of them's like, get mother, get mother. It's like, I'm <laughs> So then... So then I'm like, all right, let me just have a drink of whatever is in front of me. Well, it was milk, but they are so used to just room temperature milk, man. So I take a swig of this milk, man, and it's like oatmeal. Like it does nothing. <laughs> it absolutely does nothing. And they're all like talking and they're looking at me like one, like one or little eyes are starting to water. It's like, I'm fine. Uh, so they're too, so they're that's. They're looking you know, up at the Heimlich maneuver in Spanish. They don't know what's going on. And, and then, and then, and then you—the milk's no good. And you look around. They always have about fifty different kind of juices. Never one that you've ever drank in your life. It's like guava, um, some 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 fruit from the middle of nowhere you've never seen before. The fruit juices are terrible too. So there's no relief, and you're yeah. not going to drink the water unless yeah, it's in a bottle. I was trapped. So eventually, it went down, and they were giggling and laughing, and then. Uh, so what the new deal is, is two buildings are next to each other. And um, I said to sister, why don't we have adoration in one? So this is so Sisters of Mary, right? So she's like, great idea. So the way it works is I go to one building on the seventh floor where they have a chapel, holds like four or 500 kids without on their knees. And I expose the Eucharist at, four, at 6.45 p.m. And families come, 40 girls come every 15 minutes. But I've got a mass at 6.55, so I expose the Eucharist. I run down the hallway. I jump on the elevator, which is how they deliver the food to the floors. And then I got my, my cope on, and I run to the next building, get in the elevator that's already waiting. I, I'm telling you, man, it's like the president of the United States. Like, I'm running. And then I get in that elevator, go up, switch out, and I celebrate mass. And then I mass and then healing prayers, adoration in that building. Because there's 80 girls to 100 girls, and those two families come for the healing mass. Finish at nine o'clock, run back across, get in the elevator, go down, pick up the elevator, go back up, 
And then there's 350 girls waiting for benediction at 9.15. Wow. Uh, it's great. And they, they, all the lights are out in the chapel. And it's just this huge spotlight on this four-foot four foot monstrance. And you got, I mean, I can't say anything because there's a spotlight in front of me. But all I got is 400 little third-year girls, which are probably 12, 13. And we do the divine praises. I give them benediction. And we sing a song to Our Lady. And they scoot off to bed. And they're telling the sisters they're not having bad dreams anymore. They're not. Yeah, it's it's quite beautiful. Like, they feel well, so much better. Well, that that's that's remarkable. I mean, truly, it's a remarkable story. And what comes to mind, because it's a visual, you paint a visual. It's almost like, it's almost like you're Clark Kent to a certain degree. But then, but then it came to mind that you're like a sort of a spiritual like fireman. There's like three houses in front of you, and you got to get to a mall, and you find you figure out a way. Well, the fire is kind of I can if I if I if I put the water on it here for a certain amount of time, I can handle it, and then I can go to the other one, and you just bang it out. And you're taking these elevators, you're taking care of business. And, but, but to cap it all off, not only are you feeding hundreds of girls in different buildings um, you know, with the sacraments and with graces, but to cap it off, they're going to bed at night and no longer are haunted by their dreams. Yeah, and it's, also, it's awful stuff. The last two girls that came out of the chapel the other night were girls, one girl I talked to outside of the sacrament. And... Um, you know, she had had someone that really hurt her bad, a man in her life in ways that are undescribable. And uh, she's been healing. And she was the last one. I said, how are you doing? And she said, fine. I said, are you having any bad dreams? And she said, no. And then the other one was the little girl that was that had been burned. You know, she she now thinks she's the only girl on campus. <laughs> right. 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 She's, and she's like, how are you? Like, she's always waiting. So if they know me personally, there's like an expectation that they're greeting. And I have no idea. I can't remember anybody's name. You know, there's 3,500 of them, right? So um, I greet them. I know them by face. Yeah. So uh, anyway, there's great stuff, man. There's great um, little healings. And the sisters are, the girls are sleeping. A lot of times, Kevin, for the first time in a long time, because they came here, but they never healed of the scary stuff that happened or they saw. Yeah, you, you don't want to oversimplify it. I certainly don't want to do that. But but it sounds like they're being healed by that by graces, by sacramental graces, and but just by the soothing presence of what you're bringing them. It's just yeah. God. And uh, and every floor has holy wa- uh, exercise, oil, water, and salt. And the sisters have told them how to use it, and they're blessing their eyes and their ears, and um, they're finding a lot of relief through the church's graces. That's uh, that's uh, well. I have no words. I have no words to put on that. It's just, it's just a healing balm down there that is just spreading everywhere. And thank you, Father, for sharing these stories. They, uh, they're truly a grace to us all. I, uh, we'll leave, we'll leave you, we'll leave the listener with that, uh, just to ponder on, to chew on a little bit. I, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you sign off right now. Um, th- we got this great version of the Poor Society that I know you're thrilled about, and a lot of good things are going on and with World Villages for Children and this and this website. Do uh, you, you care to just mention a little bit about this version of the Poor Society? Well, I what I'm trying to do is spread the devotion of Father Al. I think that he was so much under um, the, the bushel basket, and he's a light in the darkness. 
And I think if you read the guy's writings and you realize a lot of what he said was very beautiful, then you can understand this guy's mission. Um, so yeah, the Virgin of the Poor is, is the way I'm going to promote his life, the work of the sisters. It's going to be a way that I pray for those people who are sort of involved in praying for the sisters. So um, I encourage the folks to get involved. I'll also be feeding it with different talks and meditations that I think will be helpful in forming um, everyone to grow, to grow closer to Christ. Excellent. Excellent. So, so a listener, go, go to worldvillages.org and right there on the homepage is a link to go onto the Virgin of the Poor Society for masses, for talks, for videos, uh, for blog posts, for podcasts, whatever you want. But it's all about Father Al and, and the great work that Father's, Father Dan's doing down there. So, Father Dan, why don't you lead us out in prayer, Father? May the Lord bless you. May the Lord protect you. May the Lord let his face shine upon you. And may the Lord give you his peace. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father. Peace. God bless you. You've been listening to the One to One podcast with Father Dan Leary and Kevin Wells. If you want to learn more about the founder, Father Al, or how to support Father Dan's mission and the Sisters of Mary's mission, head on over to worldvillages.org. And to follow more podcast episodes, go ahead and subscribe, like, share this podcast so more people can find out about the goodness coming out of these awesome conversations. For more podcasts and podcasts just like it, head on over to theholyruckus.com. Thanks so much.